0: Oh, wait. My mic has been off. Oh! I've been... <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was it was me, but I was, like, panicking. Yeah, uh, uh, I just realized that I did a whole intro, I did a spiel, I I had a great... I, oh, man, you missed it. I, I, Yeah. This is what we get for doing this live. So... It was fucking flawless! <laughs> <laughs> George in the background. George is running the chat. Um... So, yeah, I I don't know. Let me do my spiel one more time and we'll see if this actually works. All right. Hey, everybody, we've got an up and coming shop. We've got Kate from Sumptuous Galaxy, who's going to be talking about what it's like to be at the beginning of this journey into dildo making. And if you've ever thought about getting into this business, this is a great time to hear about what it's like from somebody who's in that beginning stage. And my name is Derek. I am the owner, creator, and head silicone slinger here at Amaviti, where we make silicone sculptures for adults. Uh, so, um, Kate, <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> I totally blew that intro. And, uh, it's all yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kate, I want to say thank you for joining me. I realized that... Um, This is kind of a new experience as you're coming into this, and so um, I think it's awesome that you're willing to kind of talk about what it's like to be new and what it's like to start up a studio.
1: Oh man, well, first of all, thanks for for having me, you know, definitely being so new, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't really expecting to be invited onto a live stream, so this is really cool already. So.
0: yeah. Thanks again. <laughs> awesome. Um, Boy, all kinds, yeah, of, all kinds of technical issues tonight. I had my speakers going, and they were not supposed to be. Hmm. Okay. Let's reset. Give myself a second here. Deep breath. Okay. So, why did you get started in this business?
1: Oh man. Um. question. <laughs> um I guess, you know, after I, I got into collecting toys, um I I kind of got into sculpting on a whim, really. Um for a very long time I was like I can barely see in three D. I can't, you know, think in three D. I can't digitally sculpt. You know, and so I was like and I, I really can't you know, sculpt clay. So I was just like, oh, you know, it looks really cool. I know how to do it theoretically, but I could never actually do it. And then someone was like, hey, I want to commission some models. And I was kind of like, YOLO <laughs> <laughs> and um I sculpted something for them and it was really fun. but what got to me is that I kind of felt like I just kind of like stopped halfway through the creative process. I was like Oh, I want to just take this further, like, you know, there are definitely some fabulous, fabulous sculptures out there, and I can't speak for them, and maybe they're, you know, satisfied with just sculpting, they're like, this is a good endpoint to my creative process, but for me, I felt like I wanted to to be with something from, you know, concept stage to absolutely boring. And so, I guess I, I kind of got into this because, uh... I'm a bit of a tryhard. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I can't stop at just collecting and enjoying things.
2: <laughs> mm. I
1: have a running joke um, with my friends and family that I'm bad at having fun. Every single hobby of mine, I've either done competitively or monetized. So, you know.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, You're speaking my language. I, <laughs> yeah. Every hobby I've ever had has turned into a business of some sort. Um, but you mentioned friends and family. Have they figured out what you're doing?
2: Um,
1: my siblings know, my parents don't. I think they'd disown me if they knew. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of like having my student loans paid for. So they're never going to know.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> um, I... <laughs> oh, but, man. I want but the siblings know. Um, what about your friends? Do they have any idea?
1: It's a NYX bag. Um, my work friends, no, um, because they're, you know, they're sure we eat lunch together and complain about our and others and talk about cats and what have you, but they're professional connections at the end of the day. So my work friends don't know. Um, my, uh, not work friends do know. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's a mix.
0: And do they have any opinions?
1: They all think it's awesome. And, you know,
0: if they didn't think it was awesome, I
1: don't think they'd be my friend anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I just
0: feel like, bye. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's something that, you know, I was nervous about when I got started was, you know, what are my friends going to think? And um, I didn't really worry about my what my parents would think because, well, it wasn't going to phase them. So um, there came a point where... It just became a part of who I was, and so now everybody knows, and I never have to worry about who knows what or who doesn't, so there's that um, there's that point where, um, you know, you, there's a certain amount of freedom that comes with everybody knowing what you do for a living.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think I'll ever get there, you know, I'm in academia right now, I'm going to be in, you know, business later on. So it's just kind of like, uh, in my field, there are a lot of really chill people and a lot of really not chill people. And unfortunately, I don't want to wind up in this scenario where somebody with no chill is in, you know, a position to decide my career trajectory and they stumble across a video of me on YouTube talking about sex toys. You know it's just kind of a, a sad reality of having another job is that I, I kind of have to be a little conscious about you know
2: yeah me, i guess
0: yeah so at, at this point you're you're just starting out and i think one of the questions i've got for you is how do you deal with not knowing what to do how do you deal with that the unknown as you as you move into this?
1: Do a lot of research. Um, You know, there are a lot of great resources out there on the internet. There's a Makers Discord, which I'm in. um, And, you know, I'm, I'm really fortunate to have, you know, all that information at my disposal. And also like older, more established shops have been like really really helpful and supportive you know i've definitely like bounced questions off of them i try not to be really annoying because i don't want to be that person who's like spoon feed me everything i need to know please (laughs) um you know i feel like you know in this business you have to have a certain amount of initiative and like willingness to go um read pdfs basically (laughs) um i have i have definitely gone and read like a lot of like DS sheets of like different like Mica things and whatnot. It was like, oh, you don't list the micron size on your page. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to figure this out or else, you know? So, so it's, it's kind of a combination of like researching and when all else fails, um, running, crying to someone who knows what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I mean, definitely like, you know, a reality is like, at a certain point, you just have to try things for yourself. And I've just kind of accepted that some degree of failure is gonna be part of the process. Um, Because, Mm. you know, you can see a tutorial and you can have theoretical knowledge of something, but, you know, until you you try it yourself and really get your, you know, hands-on experience, you don't really know what you're getting into. And so it's like, I'll, you know, I've watched like mold-making tutorials and being like, oh, they make it look so easy. And then I'll go do it and I'll be like, oh my God, this mold is an abomination. (laughs)
0: you mentioned failures and and things going wrong how do you how do you deal with that i mean i know how i deal with it and you know failure is just part of it for me but what about what about you
1: um i think i'm i'm pretty lucky in that from my day job i kind of have like a built-in like thick skin emotional buffer against failure because i'm in sciences and especially in biology, things will fail for no fault of your own. And it's just kind of part of the process. And, you know, so I guess I've already kind of had to do that, you know, emotional work where, you know, you have to learn to accept that failure, you know, isn't, you know, indicative of your worth as a a scientist or, you know, in the case of making Gilda, a Don Smith. Right. Um, So I, I guess it's just kind of like... I'm so used to failure that it doesn't faze me anymore, which probably probably instill a lot of confidence in me as a maker, but it's true.
0: Well, I think, you know, you uh, being in science and having a background in science, you've learned that a failure is a data point. It is not anything more than that. It's a point of knowledge that you now have that you can avoid or improve upon next time so um, I think that has has, I think you kind of touched on that a little bit but I think just putting that out there is that failure is part of this um, a couple of weeks ago I had uh, Tibbs and Alex from Fantasy Grove on and there was a question and um, Tibbs was like if you're going to get into this business You've got to be prepared to have a lot of failures, and you know it's 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 a tough thing to have to deal with when it comes to um, you know your the way you see yourself and your effectiveness.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. It always it always stings a bit when you you pull something and it's flopped. It's like oh, the something crushed me. Not like crushed, like horribly, but I just like. I was really upset about some mold flops the other day, partly because um I, I'll be honest, I don't like making molds. I wanna pour the pretty things. Mold making is like a a means to an end. And so it's like seeing these these glove molds that I put, you know, hours upon hours of work, like painstakingly making them in like DS10 with like as little 5 X as I could get away with and they still flopped. I was like, You're kidding me. I hate this. <laughs> ah.
0: So how did they flop? But,
1: uh, air bubbles. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I... Oh, man. So this was one, one of the... Might have been like the second or third design I ever did. Um... I was ambitious, and I kind of really wanted to push the limit of what you could reasonably mold make. And it prints without supports. So in theory, it should be fine. In reality, Uh, this thing is a bit of an air bubble magnet and requires a lot of TLC when mold making. So Mm -hmm. it's that, but I'm stubborn and I'm going to make this thing work. Um, I'm nothing if not stubborn. (laughs) It's like my (laughs) redeeming quality.
0: Right. Um, just to let everybody know, a glove mold is, um, a type of mold that you can create that uses the, it's... You paint it on, kind of like you're just painting a surface, and then you peel that off, and what you end up with is kind of like a glove. You know, if you had painted um, silicone on your hand and you pulled it off, and that that negative is what you pour your silicone into. The other option is block molds, um, where you know you create a form around your model, and then pour your silicone around that. Um, they each have their place. Um some people have a preference for one over the other. But um it's just a style of of mold making. Now um as you have gotten to this point, have you done your first drop yet?
1: I haven't. Um I I wanted to do my first drop a long time ago, but uh as what happens with a great many shops life stuff got in the way. I had a huge exam for graduate school and um it's I'm just like not quite there yet. You know, I have I have some okay. working molds. I I know I can pour things that won't give anybody like turbo yeast. So <laughs> <Have>
0: <laughs> there's, you, there's that. Do you have any examples of what you've poured so far?
1: I do, I actually have my first ever pour with me. This is my baby. Oh. It is very special to me. Um, I don't know if you can see it, but it's right here. Oops. Right. My zoom background is like, it's not a person. It, it <laughs> doesn't deserve a place on camera. Let me put my hand behind it. Yeah. Gotcha. So this is, this is the first, uh, dildo I ever poured. Um, I was going to play it safe and I'm like, I'm going to pour this in like white and pastels because Everybody likes pastels and also I knew that for sure I was going to keep my first ever pour. So I wanted to pour something that like fits my aesthetic. And like, I definitely love like pale colors and pastels. And basically like, if it looks like the marshmallows from Lucky Charms, I'm all over it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I'm quite proud of it. I feel like it could have gone way worse for a first pour.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh,
2: I
1: bat. I love you. <laughs> yeah, we've
2: got some like chat. To chat. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay.
0: We've got Tibbs uh, from Fantasy Grove in the chat. We've got Micron. We've got Bat. Uh, Tibbs was on um, a couple of weeks ago. I've got Bat booked for um, a couple of weeks out from now. Um, so yeah, there's lots of folks in the chat and, uh, if you've got questions, drop them in the chat, George will wrangle those and we will come back around to them in a bit. So, um, so what goals have you established for yourself in terms of where you wanted to be versus where you are and where you want to be?
1: Oh man. So, you know, I said, I was like, I'm going to launch in April. That was hubris. Um, I have now learned how long things take. So um, I can pretty confidently say early August. Assuming that all the legal paperwork uh, doesn't take forever in a day. Um, I will pay extra money for it to not take forever and a day because uh, I just hate waiting that much. Um, but yeah, I guess you know, my goal is to, to launch with kind of like a, a quote unquote full lineup where I have like three models of dildos and some extras like, um, uh, like a grinder I actually have the master for that one that I can show off. It oh. is plant inspired. So it's got kind of a little like leaf and flower design here. Um, and let's see, I have a, a cock ring design and then I have, um, I'm sorry, I'm just, like, throwing, like, here, look at all this plastic I have. <laughs> um, I also sculpted, like, a vaginal plug, because I know there's been a lot of interest, um, in the, like, collective community for for more models of those, and I was like, oh, I can do that. Um, it's kind of the nice thing about being in the pre-startup phase is that I have a little bit of freedom to, like, shift things around, um, just because based on the market, um, I'm, I'm not like locked in and committed to any sort of release schedule yet. Um, so that's that's kind of the nice thing about being in this little nebulous area where I'm still making stuff. It's like, oh, I want to shoehorn one more model into my launch, I can do that. <laughs> and then I'm up at two in the morning making molds, but you know,
0: mm-hmm.
2: ugh,
1: will I have initial. Oh, sorry, i like keep reading the chat. <laughs> oh, okay. I want to answer everything. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's Tibbs. <laughs> He's asking are you if you're going to do multiple sizes with your initial lineup.
1: Oh, absolutely. And that's part of the reason I'm taking so long to launch. Like I could launch and be like, here you go. Just have one size, whatever size I felt like. But, you know, part of the reason it's taking me so long is that it's really important for me to have a drop that like accommodates as many people as possible. And I know that like you can't make something for literally everyone, but I want to have something for as many people as possible in my drop. So that's why I want to launch everything with like multiple sizes, uh, multiple firmnesses. So, it's taking a while, but hopefully, you know, it'll be a pretty nice drop because, like, I always feel really bad for those people online where they get all hyped up for a drop. They're like, oh, my God, I can't wait for this new shop, et cetera, et cetera. And then they look and they're like, oh, there's nothing for me. And I want to try to avoid that as much as possible. So, um, yeah. that's that's kind of my, like, philosophy there is, you know, that right. I don't want to get anybody, like, hyped up for a new shop only to be like, oh, they really don't care to me. <laughs>
0: Um, Do you want to define what a vaginal plug is?
1: That's a good idea. So a vaginal plug is um, a plug-like device that's specifically for vaginal insertion, so it doesn't have a flared base, which makes it not anal safe. Do not put this in your butt if you want to avoid a trip to the (laughs) emergency room. The advantage of it not having a flared base, however, is that it leaves everything external exposed, so if you want to use a vibrator at the same time, it's a lot easier versus, um, having to navigate around a, a large base. And I like chunky bases as much as the next person, but you know, sometimes they get in the way.
0: <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> um, and did you say you had, um, um a grinder? Did you I have that? I do
1: have a grinder. Oh. Yep, I can show this oh, again. Okay. So this is, yeah, this one, it's, Gotcha. I don't know. I guess I just, I kind of just had an idea one day. I was like, oh, I'll make one that looks like flowers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like girly to a fault. So if I can stick flowers on something, it's a good time. Ah, <laughs> uh,
0: Okay. Um, so you've kind of talked about what your goals are going into the drop and that first initial phase. Um, what about, you know, a year from now or three years from now or five years from now? Have you thought that far out?
1: I don't really have a five-year plan. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, In in all honesty, five years from now, I'm not even sure what I'll be doing for my, you know, day job. So, um, but you know, definitely like a year from now, I want to have a nice, like steady cadence of drops. Um, you know, my goal is to, is to have a drop like once a month and, um, I guess I just kind of want to become like a, you know, a reputable shop that people can recommend to their friends. Like if somebody says, you know, hey, you know, my friend is just getting into fantasy dildos. You know, I'd love it if someone was like, oh, there's this shop, Sumptuous Galaxy, you should check them out. So that's kind of what I want to be in a year. Um, I guess I have like a a sort of like shoot for the moon type goal where, You know, this is is kind of like, this would be a dream come true. And it's probably like not a glamorous dream come true, but I want to get to the point where I can do wholesale. Mm. Um, Just because, you know, I'm I'm really passionate about the indie toy scene and I really want to see it gain more recognition and, you know, be in more mainstream shops. So like the ultimate dream, which like, I'm, you know, I'm being realistic. This probably isn't going to happen. And, (laughs) you know, at least not to me. you know, part-time person making dildos in their guest room. Um, Right. But, you know, doing, doing wholesale for like more like mainstream retailers um, would really be a dream, you know, because that would get, you know, quite a like wider range of people exposed to like safe fantasy toys Mm -hmm. and just like body safe toys in general, because a lot of stuff sold at more mainstream sex toy retailers is either really cheaply made and it'll break or it's made of unsafe materials or both. And you know that's what I really love about, you know, fantasy toys is that, you know, they're body safe and if you take good care of them, like, in theory, you could pass them down to your children. That'd be really weird, but like theoretically you could. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Tibbs over here stealing my questions. This was one that I was just getting ready to ask, but uh, do you think this ever may become a full-time job for you?
1: Oh, man. That's that's actually a really the question. You know, I like it enough that it could be, but I also really, really, really love my day job. I'm, you know, I'm really passionate about biomedical research. I'm, I'm getting a PhD in it, and you don't get a PhD if you don't love something more than life itself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, just just because I'm, I'm so invested in my other job, I don't think that this would ever become, you know, like a full time job. I would never do this like, you know, I was about to say I'd never do this 40 hours a week, but I'm a little try hard. And there's a non-zero probability that there will be some weeks where I do 40 hours of normal work and then 40 hours of dildo work. I say normal as if this is abnormal. I just mean 40 hours of non-spicy work. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, It's something that can definitely take over your life, um, especially if it goes well. Um, The wholesale category is an interesting prospect because, um, as I understand it, retailers like repeatability. And so do you think that that is something that you might struggle against or um, do you think that there's a way that you can create a niche for yourself that still allows you the freedom
1: yeah so i guess the way i see it is if i was if i had the production capacity to do wholesale i would probably also have the capacity to have you know people to whom i would delegate that to i would you know be like here you go here's how to do this two color marble and you know, there definitely has to be some, like, design for manufacturability wholesale. You know, I think that, you know, from the sculpting stage up, you have to sculpt something that's easy to trim and easy to post-process um, after 3D printing. And, you know, then you have to design a pour style where you can repeat it to, you know, within, you know, a reasonable degree of, if you look at the stock photo and look at any given product, you can be like, yeah, this is what I ordered. So, you know, it's a sort of thing where it's like, if I were to go down that route, I would probably specifically design models and core styles for that, Mm. Um, you know, just to, to ensure that, you know, people get what they pay for based on the stock image. Cause I've been, I've been stock photoed by a certain, (laughs) uh, lizard.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Right.
1: That I, I, I shall not name further, and it was it was pretty disappointing. So yeah, that's definitely like a, a consideration to
0: have. Yeah, um, that that stock photo issue is is something that you know we want to be as consistent as we possibly can, but uh, sometimes reality gets in the way. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, Let's see. I have. I had a question I wanted to get to. Somebody else stole one of your questions. Somebody stole one of my questions. Well, you have to let me know which one <laughs> that was. Um, okay. So you have your website, and um, are you are you just running your website, or are you using Etsy, or what platform are you using?
1: I'm using Shopify, and um, if anybody's tried to go to my website, I apologize. It's kind of still in password mode. Um, it's gonna go live like tonight, I promise. Um but yeah, I just like again I'm like so clinically anxious that I can't do anything without doing like a bucket load of research beforehand. Um so um I just kind of read about like how to how to do your own sales and whatnot and I just heard so much about Etsy and their fees and I was just like, nah, no, nah, I don't wanna do this. I don't wanna deal with it mm-hmm um so i i'm just going with uh, shopify from the get-go
0: gotcha okay especially so you're like using... lately
1: i've heard of like etsy hacks and that terrifies me
0: yeah i was reading about that this morning um okay so you're on shopify um one of the things that etsy does and i i'm a bit i'm a bit of an advocate for people to start out on etsy is that etsy has um a market built in they have an audience they have customers and so it's a lot easier to get those first sales through etsy um so what is your plan when it comes to marketing and how to get those first sales
1: um in all honesty twitter um has been really great for me so far like Again, I'm pretty lucky in that, like, I built up a decent following as just a toy enthusiast first, and then I was like, "Hey, yo, I'm a star shop," and a bunch of people just kind of jumped over and followed from there. So, it's it's you know it's nice that I kind of have like built-in friends in the community. Um, as as far as you know, getting my first sale, you know, I'm just a big believer in like promoting on social media and then really relying on the the products to do their job because you know. You can you can you know rely on like algorithms and websites all you want, but at the end of the day, the most powerful advertisement you can possibly get is word of mouth. Yeah. And you know that's that's something that can you know really only be built up by people. So it's just kind of that trying to like interact with other people and you know put myself out there, and that's really what I'm doing for marketing.
0: Okay. Um, I noticed uh, Tame said hi Tame on YouTube um oh, hi, tame. And, <laughs> and um tame has stolen another one of my questions uh, so i'll just go exactly by uh, what tame put here what is your goal you wish to accomplish with your designs and is there a niche that you're looking to fill or fantasy you're wanting to bring to life
1: so i'm a big sci-fi nerd um When I was younger, I used to decide whether or not to buy a book um, based on if there was a spaceship on the cover or not. And so um, I'm definitely not the only person in this niche, but I would say I fall into the category of space shops with too much lore. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah, I, I do creative writing as a hobby. So, you know, when I was thinking of all these toy designs, You know, I I started thinking, like, well, what alien creature would have these parts? (laughs) And that kind of evolved into just, like, an overall overarching story for for what I'm making. And um, I guess if I had to elevator pitch the concept of my shop, it would be a xenobiology mission crewed by a bunch of hedonists.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay.
1: So everything is kind of, like... My rule of thumb for if I'm designing something is: Could this conceivably be part of an alien? <laughs> um, and and that's 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 kind of I guess my like niche in fantasy is everything's all alien because I I get really inspired by nature and like organic forms and that's kind of what I enjoy sculpting the most. Um, so you'll see a lot of like plant-inspired stuff um, from me. Um, but maybe not like a plant you find in your own garden.
0: (laughs) Gotcha. So what Um, are you using for your uh, 3D models?
1: Um, I use a combination of Blender and Nomad. Um, I'm primarily a Blender person. Um, that's really what I learned on. And I have Nomad on my phone for if I want to sculpt something on the go, because I have one of those phones with a stylus. So it's super easy to, to sculpt stuff on the go, I've sculpted entire squishies on the airplane before um, in Nomad, so that's been really nice. Um, in fact, this um, uh, tentacle inspired plug was entirely in Nomad. Um, but I also you know do a lot of stuff entirely in Blender. Um, I just I learned this like really neat trick with like using Bezier curves to map out the basic shape of something. And so um, I'm a lot faster in Blender than anything else.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, Blender is free. So, you know, yay for that. Uh, I think Nomad is like 20 bucks or something like that.
1: It's, it's like, I think I paid $15 for it. Okay. So, yeah, it's it's pretty cheap. If you could afford a dildo, you can afford Nomad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so... Here you are getting ready to open your shop and you're looking back and somebody comes up to you and says, Hey, I want to do this. What advice would you give them?
1: Oh man, honestly, my advice to them would definitely be to like invest in the highest end production pipeline you can reasonably afford because it will actually save you money in the long run. Um, like probably my biggest regret when starting was I saw a lot of people who said, I love the Ender 3. And I was like, I'm gonna buy an Ender 3. And I could have afforded something nicer than that. But I just I just kind of like, I, I bought one because it was on sale. I was like, oh, it's cheap. And again, there are so many people who love their Ender 3s, props to them. I'm 90% sure that I got a lemon, because I have taken that thing apart multiple times, put it back together, I have switched out almost all the parts in it, and it still won't work. So, oh, wow. I just have, like, the ultimate lemon of Ender 3s. Um, <laughs>
0: so, did you keep the uh, the Creality Ender 3, or did you replace it?
1: Um, I mean, I still have the Ender 3. It's in my garage. It's kind of been banished. Um, I actually replaced it with an Anycubic Viper, which I think you recommended to me in the Maker's Discord, Um, and that thing has just been fabulous. Like, it was definitely more expensive than the Ender, but it... It self-levels, and it's... After just a few minor tweaks in my slicer, it was just click-and-go. And And so... Yeah, my advice to anybody starting out is, like, don't try to save yourself money up front, because you'll end up spending more in the long run Trying to fix your cheaper things than if you just built or bought, you know, the nicest thing you can reasonably afford upfront. And this goes for printers. This goes for vacuum chambers. There's a bit of an exception for vacuum chambers though, because like smooth-ons is like $700, and like okay, I would have to break like five of the cheap Amazon vacuum pump combos for it to be worth buying one of the smooth on ones,
2: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. maybe
1: the exception, but yeah, it's, it's definitely one of those things where, you know, if you, if you try to to cut costs, you know, oftentimes you, you wind up like selling yourself short when you're starting out and that's really Mm. not something you want to do. So yeah, I guess like my advice can be summed up as, uh, spend money. Your time is worth it.
0: Yeah. Um, there's a lot there. Um, and that's something that not only for when you're getting started, but going forward all the way through the life of your business. Um, just to give people fo- or give folks um, a sense, the, the Viper, the any cubic Viper is about $350 roughly, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, and then, so I have one of those. I also have a, a Prusa uh, Mark III S Plus um, which those are going to run you about eight hundred dollars or so, and honestly, between the two, there's not a whole lot of difference. Um, I think the Prusa Slicer is better, um, but um, and the thing is, I I'm almost positive you can use the Prusa Slicer with any printer.
1: I use the Prusa Slicer with my Viper. It works fine. I found a. I found a profile online for the Viper that you can just download and then plug in the Prusa Slicer, so that's what I
2: use. Okay, um,
1: Yeah, because I guess that would be my other advice to people who are just getting into um, FDM printing, um, is your slicer matters a lot. Like, a lot of people, they'll go with a default slicer or, you know, um, I'm trying to think of that one slicer that everybody uses. Cura yeah cura that's the one but the reality is that like um there are a lot of slicers out there that are better than cura um in terms of print time you can you can plug in the exact same print into cura and prusa slicer and it'll be so much faster in prusa slicer so um that's yeah that's i guess that's my other advice um people who are just starting out is to really know your equipment and do just do deep dives into it like read stuff about FDM printing for the sake of FDM printing because like you might be like oh my god I'm so bored I'm not a 3D printing hobbyist this sucks but you know in reality like you know your masters you know are are kind of the foundation of everything you build your molds off of them you know they're what turns into your final product and so if, if you don't nail that first step of your process there's no point and everything else.
0: Yeah. Um, so, are you uh, are you using PLA, ABS, ASA? What uh, filament are you uh, using?
1: I use ABS. Um, I researched post-processing PLA versus ABS, and it was a no-brainer. I was like, yeah. you know, I would rather spend like thirty minutes and two busted prints up front figuring out how to make ABS work for me rather than spend days and days and days standing. Because again, I'm really busy with my day job and I wanted to pick something where I could post-process it as quickly as possible. Um, which is why I went with ABS because I can just use acetone paper and that takes 30 minutes maybe. Yeah, um, yeah just if anybody out there is looking into um starting up a shop or 3d printing in general if you print with abs you must have an enclosure abs fumes are toxic
0: yeah um it's yeah abs not only is it toxic but also it's very temperature it, sensitive It
1: warps if it's yeah and you get uneven yeah you get uneven, cu-
0: people- yeah, you get uneven uh, cooling and so parts of it will will warp because um well Contraction, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, science stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, one of the things that I have, I've kind of become a proponent of is ASA because it prints as easily and uh, as nicely as PLA, but it also can be vapor smoothed with acetone. Uh, so it's it's kind of been my little poster child that I have been trying to support as much as possible. Uh, oh, worm inside! Asking about ASA. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I've heard I've heard a lot of great things about ASA, and I looked into I think PolySmooth for a while, which is kind of like a name brand ASA filament. Mm-hmm. And my thing is honestly that ABS prints so well for me that I can't justify switching. I'm kind of at like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Stage. Absolutely. With regards to 3D printing. So I, I just I really don't feel the need to switch or experiment. I print red hatchbox ABS. That is the only filament I will ever print. Um yep. it's it's like I, I found my my filament and I'm sticking with it. It's my ride or die. Um and it's like if I do upgrade it'll be to a resin printer. Um yeah. simply because I really want that um that high resolution. Um because one of the things that does get to me about ABS And vapor smoothing is that you kind of inherently lose a little bit of detail Mm -hmm. and you know it's like it's a little bit of a bummer when you spend like you know 10 hours sculpting really fine fine details on um your 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 sculpt only to to print and post-process and be like oh i can barely see it and i mean silicone will still pick it up but you know ultimately i'd really like to go to resin where things can be much more pronounced and i know Resin printing is its own canner worms and whatnot, but an excuse for my partner to get a sand blaster,
0: so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Dub Sativa, good to see you again. Been a little while, but uh, asking about PVB filament. Um, and while I haven't used it, that's one that I have researched. PVB can be uh, smoothed with isopropyl alcohol. Um, but I have not tried in it. I haven't done any experiments with it, Uh, but it is on my list of things uh, to try out. Warm inside, once again, inside my head. Uh, Prusa ASA, consistent quality, and my go-to. Prusa, their filament is... I mean, all of their filaments across the board are just so nice to print with. They are very consistent and very easy to use. So, yeah, if uh, it's not cheap, what you might spend, you might spend 20 bucks for a, a regular roll of PLA um, off Amazon. You're going to spend 30 bucks for Prusament, um, but it's it's good stuff. So, uh, Dubs Diva, yeah, in my head. Um, <laughs> All right. Let's see. Other questions. Uh, Worminside says the Prusa is great because you know it'll be supported for years. Yeah, it will be. Um, let's see. Going back through methods. Um, uh, Stevo is asking, wanted to ask about your method of smoothing filament and what settings you use when printing.
1: Oh man, so my settings are not going to hold true for everybody because each brand and even within the same brand, different colors print optimally at different settings. So you're gonna have to print yourself some test prints. Um, believe me, I have an armada of failed pretty benches um, to figure out what works best for you. But I can say in general, I print with Uh, a nozzle temp of 230, a bed temp I think is 110 for ABS. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head because I just plug into my slicer, save the settings for forever and go. So it's been a bit since I've actually fiddled with them, but that's off the top of my head what I use. And then I print with a layer height of 0.12 and a a 0.4 millimeter nozzle. Um, And I find that 0.12 kind of gives me the like optimal um combination of print time to um resolution
0: yeah yeah um i mean you can there are things that you can play with in there as far as the layer heights and you know you can get some really detailed prints out of um an fdm printer and it's going to take a little while uh once you start dropping those that uh, that layer height down below you know a tenth of a millimeter and that's one of the things about resin printers is that they generally print at 0.05 millimeters, so you know half the layer height of even um, uh, what we were just talking about. So it's it's a lot more layers. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, and they
1: also have better XY
2: resolution.
0: They do. Um, my experience with resin is that uh, it's expensive. Um, it's messy, and you have to do a lot of testing of your your resin against your silicone because certain silicones um, or certain resins cause cure inhibition with um, with uh, the silicone.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is definitely why I, I didn't jump into resin printing off the bat. Is that you know, FDM is is a little easier to get into. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, ultimately I'd like to be able to make masters that aren't disposable because the reality of working with ABS and vapor smoothing masters, and I don't know if there's any data on, you know, ASA or PVB masters, but I know just when you smooth a master, um, it causes the outside basically to melt together. And the result is that the outside and the inside kind of have like a different amount of tension on them. And this inevitably results in stress fractures so you know uh abs masters are disposable you just have to you know come to terms with the fact that like your master is just going to explode one day (laughs) (laughs) um which is is kind of why i'd like to work with with resin and i mean I, i could go the route of like having an ABS master and getting that to where I'm like perfectly happy and make a mold and cast a resin master in it. But... Again, part of it is is due to the, the amount of detail that I like to sculpt. I would rather, rather go with resin from the get-go. Um, mm-hmm. just because I've, I've seen people's resin prints and they've just been, um, you know, phenomenal in terms of the, the detail and texture and that's like really what I'm aspiring to get out of my prints, yeah so that that's kind of fueling my decision is more the the end result rather than the process
0: Mhm. yeah um don't get married to the process um is is one of is a piece of advice that i would give folks is that you should be thinking about how your process can change and still get you the result that you need uh, Dub Sativa is asking, uh, will printing in high quality instead of standard quality l- result in less post-processing in PLA?
2: Oh man,
1: I only work with PLA for mold shells. So I am not the person to answer that. Um, I kind of have like a general idea of how you post-process PLA. And so my initial inclination would be like, probably a little less post but like you still have to sand your entire model so yeah
0: yeah Yeah. um no matter what layer height you use with FDM you're gonna have to do some post processing Um, and even with resin um you theoretically you might be able to just take one directly out of the printer and, and mold from it but um it's something that you just kind of have to have to do. You have to accept that it's part of the process and you better learn to love it because you're going to be doing it for a while.
1: That's why I want to get a sandblaster.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Let's see. Mm-mm-mm. When that first sale comes in, What's that going to mean to you?
1: Oh man, that's gonna mean a lot. Um Oh man. You know, I guess I can finally be like, I feel like I belong now. It's definitely like a lot of like imposter syndrome being on here. It's like, oh man, like Fantasy Grove and Dark Path has been on and now like Shop Dad's gonna be on next week. And then there's like me. (laughs) I'm just a baby. (laughs)
0: <laughs> right and, but and so, so you've got yeah. that first you've got that first sale coming in and you know is that justification does that is that, what does that mean to you
1: i guess i guess it'll definitely make me feel a little more like legitimate like oh okay i sold something to somebody who you know doesn't know me irl i i i've done it i've made it <laughs> like that's um I that's that's kind of what it'll mean for sure is, is you know i'll you know feel like
0: yeah you know
1: um, like it'll, it'll definitely make you feel like everything is has been worth it because starting at the shop is not easy i have definitely cried in my workshop um <laughs> um you know so it's very much an exercise in delayed gratification so um yeah, no, when I when I have my first drop immediately afterward, I'm gonna go probably get like Korean barbecue and boba and celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> Even if only two people buy anything and be like, I don't care, I have product online now, I'm I'm gonna celebrate.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean there's a certain vindication to it that you know you've done all this work and it wasn't a complete waste of time and people are willing to give you money for the art that you're creating. Because I do consider it to be art. People can argue that, whatever. Um, you'll never change my mind. Um, you mentioned imposter syndrome. Um, it, is that something that you struggle with?
1: Um, it's actually really funny. I've never really dealt with it much in my day job, even though like it's, it's a big part of like discourse amongst graduate students. And so I'm just sitting here like, oh, crap, I slept through all the lectures about how to deal with this. Listen, I'm sitting here. You know, just like, feeling like, oh my god, I'm such a fraud. I'm, you know, oh my god, I'm just making dildos in my guest room and all these these big shops are, you know, they have their own, like, custom-built workshops and fancy stainless steel sinks. And meanwhile, I just got mold released all over my guest bathroom. <laughs> like, that sort of thing. So, uh-huh. it's, it's kind of, like, it's kind of hard, I guess, because, like, there are so many like really well-established shops that you know it's kind of impossible to not compare yourself and your your situation your process to them and you know it it gets really hard sometimes to remind you that you know everybody starts somewhere and you know calling multiple people started out pouring dildos in their guest room (laughs) um -hmm. so um it's definitely definitely an ongoing process dealing with the imposter syndrome you know I'd like to be all like sunshine and rainbows and everything's going be okay. But, you know, sometimes the reality of making art, especially when you haven't sold anything, is that like putting something out into the world is risky and vulnerable, you know, yeah. because you don't know how something is going to be received. And, you know, I always come from the state of mind where art is a dialogue. You don't put art out into the world for it to go unnoticed, right? You know, ultimately you want to, you know, reach someone. You want to make something, you know, someone... You want to make someone's life better with the things that you, you produce. So, um, you know, it's definitely, you know, right now, a lot of uncertainty, you know, going in there like, oh my gosh, you know, am I really going to be able to do this? Et cetera, et cetera. So, um, how am I dealing with the imposter syndrome? TLDR, it's the process. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, in the chat, we've got, uh, George who has said uh, watching an artist or make her start to bloom is an amazing thing to see oh. and Bat follows up with I wish to hold Kate's hands while you're doing amazing I believe in you it's so freaking oh. awesome and everybody's been really sweet and supportive and I'm really
1: yeah. thankful for that
0: yeah now Bat had another question which was uh, do you have any inspirations or role models when you first started your shop
1: oh man um there are definitely a lot of people that I look up to for different things. Like, um, I really admire like Tiberius and Fantasy Girl for his amazing, amazing hand painting. Um, you know, I really like, um, uh, Phoenix creations. I think that Recca's sculpts are absolutely amazing. Um, and Um, oh gosh, I could just list, like, every shop and find something to admire about them, honestly. Like, um, you know, I think Linda from Paladin Pleasure Sculptors comes up with really amazing pores. The things she does with super soft silicone just blow my mind. Um, and, you know, then, you know, not even in terms of full-blown shops, but, you know, like, sculptors like Frost and Venus, you know, I definitely look up to their work when sculpting, so, um, this is my way of saying, like, I really just look up to everyone and admire them. And I, I want to, you know, produce work that's on par with theirs. Like my policy has always been if I wouldn't put this on my nightstand next to the things I own, I should not produce it, mm-hmm. um, which is maybe a very high standard to be holding myself to, considering that a lot of these people have been in the game for like two, three. I think in the case of Cootaboodoo, like seven years. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the reality of entering a more saturated market is that consumers have a higher standard when shopping around. So, in turn, I, as an artist, kind of hold myself to that high standard. And it's just kind of been really um, motivating, I guess, you know, to to have like a set goal. Like, this is where I want to be. This is who I want to be like.
0: yeah, I guess uh, in a way
1: it feels a little more attainable than like my day job when I'm looking at like professors and like VPs of R&D and I'm just going, how did you get there?
0: <laughs> uh, Tibbs says thank you um, and says that uh, you are one of us now.
2: <laughs> I love this community, you all so you know, much.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah, this community is so awesome. I mean, it's i don't know that i have ever worked with a community that has been so supportive of folks who are new to the 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 category etc um what's been your experience with the community
1: um in all honesty like i'm about to get real mushy gushy and maybe also just a brief heads up i'm gonna talk about mental illness for a second okay um so if that bothers anybody in the audience, maybe mute me for a bit. Um, but uh, in 2020, I had really, really awful depression. Like, I nearly checked myself into the hospital That was awful. And this community actually brought me out of a really, really dark time. You know, when I, I felt like I had, you know, really like nothing else going for me. I met all these like wonderful, nice people and like sure it started out as just talking about sex toys but I got to know some people, you know, personally and you know they became you know like internet friends and in a time where I was feeling like really down and isolated like these people kind of brought me back out of my shell and you know like because I was able to connect with all these people on the internet I was actually able to like repair some of my IRL friendships and relationships too. So this is a community that's really given me a lot. It's brought me out of a dark place and uplifted me just with, you know, how kind and accepting and friendly everybody is. And so starting a shop has kind of really been my way of, of paying it forward to them. You know, I figure I have, I have the resources and hopefully the abilities to, to make something. So, you know, I just, you know, I really wanna give something back to all of these people who are quite frankly, a large part of the reason I'm still alive. <laughs> Mm. sorry that got real heavy
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's also honest and you know i think that yeah, that's part of what this is about is letting people see behind the curtain a little bit and letting people get to know the makers and get to know we're going to get into my philosophy here and why i started the the whole live streams and everything but you know that giving back to that community that has helped me so much by pulling the curtain back a little bit, letting them see kind of how the, how the sausage is made, but also to understand what the makers are like themselves, what, who they are as a person as opposed to that perception that you might have of them as somebody that you see on Twitter. And as vulnerable as you were, that was just such a great moment for people to be able to connect with you. So, I mean, I, I'm totally appreciative that you took that.
1: Yeah. I I try to be really open about my struggles with mental illness because it's so stigmatized. I figure that, you know, the more open that I am about it, you know, maybe, you know, the the bigger chance that somebody who's not brave enough to speak out and reach out, just hears someone else talking about it and thinks they're not alone. So that's kind of my, my policy when, when you're talking about these things. It's like, I, I, you know I don't feel ashamed of it and hopefully you know the more I talk about it you know mm-hmm. the more maybe other people around me will feel like you know as cliche as this is it's okay to not be okay
0: right um, now I want to do a quick pivot and let folks yeah. know that uh, if they have any questions drop them in the chat um, if you have any comments um, then we'll go through all of those as well and um yeah i'm gonna check in with george here for a second and make sure that i have gotten to all the questions because my my list of questions has gotten all kinds of jumbled up now uh,
1: <laughs> uh, it always happens i've got my emotional support boba over here <laughs>
0: <laughs> what flavor uh
1: lavender I am obsessed with like floral teas like jasmine green tea um one of my favorite kinds of black tea is the lavender earl gray so anytime I can get like a lavender boba or a rose boba I'm all over that
0: (laughs) okay I love boba myself um I'm trying to remember where I had it first I think I was in Seattle was it Seattle or LA I can't remember which um but uh That first time I tried it, and you get those big tapioca and that huge straw, (laughs) it freaked me out a little bit.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. See, I I grew up with it. I grew up in the Bay Area, so there's boba everywhere over there.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm here in the Midwest, so it takes us Uh, a little bit longer to get things.
1: I don't know. I I managed to find boba in, in Italy last month, so it's everywhere now. Oh,
0: uh, let's see. Tibbs asking, what's your favorite pour style to do so far?
1: Um, I really like doing spiral pours. Um, partly because they're, they're really hard to mess up. If you get yourself a split pour cup and electronic turntable, you just <laughs> kind of color by number. So that's, that's definitely my favorite to do right now. Um, I really want to learn how to do three color paints. I know... In theory how to do a two color fade and i can make those look not horrible Mm -hmm. but i really really like the look of like three color fades (laughs) that's definitely something i want to work on and you know i think a lot of you know non-dildo makers don't know this but fades are actually really hard
0: (laughs) they are um i'll be honest i still haven't figured them out um i tried for a while there and then i was just like nope i'm going to Make a left turn here and just do something else so um do you have any favorite color combinations
1: um this is gonna come as a surprise because i think people online know me as that person who's obsessed with pastels but i actually really like um green and black and also um a a recently discovered favorite of mine is like purple and brown which Sounds really weird, and hopefully it looks as good as it does. Like, I posted a picture on Twitter of the base of a toy that I just poured, and in my opinion, it looks really cool. It was like lavender think, latte inspired,
0: so yeah, it's like a I translucent saw that.
1: lavender. Yeah, uh, so it's or, like. Oh, go ahead. I guess I I I like kind of trying to like push the boundaries, and I really like also like interference micas and just putting them in everything. Because um, like for those who don't know, an interference mica looks white, but then at an angle it changes to a different color, sort of. So if you see those toys that have like a red shimmer to them or a green shimmer, chances are it's because it's got an interference color in it. So it's really fun, kind of like being a little like alchemist, and being like, oh, what sort of shiny can I make today?
0: <laughs> yeah. By the way, we have Venus in the chat.
2: Hey, hi Venus. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I saw the uh, post that you did today of, um, and it does, it looks like coffee. Um, yeah, yeah, I
1: was like, I was
0: like, I want to go
1: with like lavender latte. Yeah. So hopefully it looks really
0: cool. <laughs> yeah. Um. Let's see. I guess this is Venus. Yeah, this is Venus asking, if this hasn't been answered, what's your favorite shop model that you've designed? Oh,
1: man. Um... See, that's a really tough one. I have actually don't have it. I don't have like a model on me to show right now because all of my masters are either broken, ripped, or sitting in molds or um, whatnot. But it is, um, it's Nectoherba. So it's the one with the wavies going up the sides. I'm doing such a bad job at like explaining what it is, but. <laughs> Um, I, I guess when I was kind of starting out, I was like, I want to have a little something for everybody. And I know people really like, like, more like cylindrical, like horse-like things that I, um, you know, I guess I kind of want to bring something like different and unique to everything I sculpt. So I was like, what if I make something that's more on the like planty aquatic-y side of that and so that's kind of how that came to be. Um, I did a bunch of like art studies of leafy sea dragons and I kind of incorporated some of the details from those studies into the base and the lower half and um, then the top half of that toy was really just an experiment. I wanted to see if I could add like a wavy frill to a toy using like three D modeling as opposed to just brute force sculpting it out, and I managed to, and it was a challenge, but I did it.
2: Uh-huh.
1: So I'm, I guess I'm just really proud of that one because I put a lot of work into that sculpt, and um, I really like the final product of it, and it's also quite fun to pour. Um, it's a little challenging because it, it also the horizontal profile of it isn't completely straight. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's definitely some, like, consideration of, like, core style and whatnot. But um, it's a fun one to, like, look at. And also, after it's been poured, the little film on the side are really fun to squish.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, What about the Amnicus?
1: Oh, man. That one has a special place in my heart. Because it Um, looks...
0: Is it? Is it... uh, It's almost like a mushroom.
1: Yeah, it's kind of this, like... My original inspiration from it actually came from um, uh, Lunar Kaleidoscope on Discord. Um, I was bored on Twitter one day and I was like, hey, somebody give me a sculpting prompt. (laughs) (laughs) It was really funny, at first she was like, me! No, wait, actually, I, I meant, you know, not me, but I'll give you the prompt. And so her prompt was Poseidon. And so I sat down, I kind of drew up some aquatic things. And so that's kind of how I, came up with a base if I wanted it to look like a water splash. Right. Um, Then, the top part, I kind of went with this weird, like, fin slash gill-like texture that kind of winds up making it look like a mushroom. So the lore for that toy, I just (laughs) kind of rolled with it. That's a nice thing. I I definitely spelled first and think of lore later.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I I was looking at that, and it reminded me of, um, like, a frilled mushroom but the gills is also um, a very good uh, comparison there for the Amnicus. Um, Tibbs talking about uh, colors and the, uh, I found my entire color taste broadened when pouring. You really learn to appreciate colors you wouldn't have looked at uh, previously. Watch out though, it can make you expand your collection even more. How many colors do you have in your collection?
1: um of micas yeah too many um i again like i said like the the first i think i was only just talking to you about this but um yeah when i was first starting out i was kind of just like trying to be thrifty and um so i bought a pack of um huge like 50 grand jars from iKid Pigments for like a really steep discount because they were all like unopened returns or things that like, maybe a gram or two had been taken to make samples. So I was like, oh, I'll buy all this bee product, great. And so I wound up with just like this really random assortment. I have like some like UV oranges and pinks and like some like browns and like, I have this one kind of large particle gold that I think is going to be relegated to squish only because it's too big to safely pour in in dongs, but I want to see what it looks like in a squish. Yeah. Like, I want
0: to make a gold squishy. <laughs> George um, is asking how many colors that we have. And as far as like colors that, you know, I have a substantial quantity of um, that uh, it's probably about 60 or so. And then I have another probably 30 or 40 that I have sample size, uh, like, you know, uh, one ounce bags of them or something like that and uh just stuff that i can you know you can make yeah one ounce has 30 grams in it you can make uh pretty easily 15 20 models out of that or 15 20 dongs
1: yeah yeah i know i I have a bunch of five gram samples and honestly they go a really long way yeah um especially if you're you know experimenting with translucency and really lightly pigmented silicone um like again for for those those pours that I just did earlier today, I made a translucent lavender, and I basically just stuck a popsicle stick in the bag and pulled it out, and then stuck it in. Like that was all the my I needed. Just whatever clung to the popsicle stick.
0: Yeah, there are certain um, colors like uh, silk pig red. You just oh kind man, of wave it stuff. in the general direction of your silicone. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, silk pig, silk pig red. Be like. Oh, you're going to be pouring red out of this cup for the next week. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. Um, Tame asking, have you attempted any inclusion pours yet? If you uh, wanted to attempt them, what kind of inclusions would you have?
1: Oh, man. So inclusions are super, super cool. Um, I do not yet think I have the expertise to do them since they're such a high DLAM risk that I really don't want to be like pushing myself to to do something, um, you know, more advanced than I'm comfortable with. Uh, sorry, I'm laughing. At, I'm laughing at
0: Tibbs too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but you know, inclusions are definitely like you know, once I, I get more comfortable with experimenting and uh, maybe once I have the confidence to tackle near clear. I'm still deathly afraid of near clear. I've heard the horror stories about it not degassing well, and I'm I'm just happy with my little, you know, normal Ecoflex over here. Um, that's my comfort zone. Um,
0: um, what about sort of clear? Um, it's, it's not <laughs> as, uh, the thing is that I think sort of clear has a, a very long cure time. I think it's a 24 hour cure, but I can't yeah. remember.
1: It's also really firm, isn't it? Like, short a, like twenty. Mm,
0: I'd have to look. Yeah.
1: Because I think sort of clear is what Kenton uses, right?
0: Yeah. 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 Um, yeah.
1: If if somebody is okay with a firmer toy um, with inclusions, you know, I could, in theory, venture into sort of clear. Um, you know, I feel like everybody really, really likes near clear. And, you know, I swear, I love near clear. I actually, I love the way multi-chrome pigments look in near clear. Mm. Um, I have a lot of really cool ideas of what I want to do with multi-chromes because I think they're so pretty. Um, That's my like eyeshadow geek talking. I'm not wearing any makeup right now because I'm <laughs> busy. <laughs> but yeah. like, I'm one of those people where I'm just like, you know what? If I can get five colors out of one eyeshadow, I'm
0: in heaven. Yeah. Uh, Warm Inside is asking about, has anyone tried Slow Joe in Near Clear? Um, I'm curious why you would want to, because uh, you're looking at a 40-minute pot life and a four-hour cure time. So uh, be curious why you would want to. But uh, I don't have any experience doing that.
1: Yeah, the only times I use Slow Joe is when I'm making a cavity core mold because then you want to give the silicone as much time to um, get all the air bubbles out. So yeah, slowjo is, is helpful if um, you're doing a cavity pour mold. That's what I use it for. Um, a little bit goes such a long way, though. Oh, I remember <laughs> one time my shop goblins spilled the slojo while pouring, and it must have been like 4 or 5% Joe by weight and I was just like well it's already been poured so I really don't want to waste 200 milliliters of silicone it
2: took
1: a day (laughs) and a half to
2: cure
0: yeah I think um, slow joe's at uh, I think 1% doubles your pot life and your cure time so yeah if you're if you're at 4 or 5% you might as well just set it aside for a week and come back
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, basically, I was one step away from getting on my heat gun. Be like, time to
0: die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tibbs says uh, that um, you don't want to, or he doesn't, or Tibbs doesn't use it because he's impatient. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, last, last call for questions. I'm going to uh, do a quick moment here and remind everybody that uh, I do have a Patreon. If you like what we do and you want to support us in some small way, then you can definitely drop, uh, uh, drop in to the Patreon. Patreon.com Amavidi, A-M-A-V-I-D-I. And, uh, you know, I think it starts at like five bucks or something like that. And honestly, it's just an opportunity for um, for folks to show us a little support. No expectation, no requirements, anything like that. I am trying to figure out one thing, though, Um, because I think one of the things I'd like to do for patrons is to do a patrons-only video where um, we have, like, five questions that we ask each maker, and it would be, like, stupid questions like, I don't know, name five things that are gooey or something like that, Um, but I uh, I think that could be fun. And um, I don't know, if you have uh, any ideas on what kind of questions we could ask the makers like that, uh, let me know. Send me a direct message on Twitter, um, and uh, we'll go from there. So, oh, Deb Sativa asking, have you tried hand painting yet?
1: That's another one that's kind of like advanced level dong making, like dong making 301. Um, So I haven't tried that yet. In theory, I could. I have some cheap dollar store paintbrushes. I have some Dybex, but, um, you know, I'd like to get it to the point where I have a really low flop rate with, you know, easy pours before I get into stuff like hand painting and inclusions just because I care about you guys and I want to sell my best work
0: possible. Yeah. Uh, Tibbs asking about uh, your models and characters. And I'm going to rephrase that a little bit when you're working on your models um do you have any lore that goes with them or characters
1: i for sure do um i noticed that bit about character art hopefully sometime in my busy busy life i'm gonna find time to draw character art because i do actually do 2d art um sometimes when i'm when i'm not busy with other stuff but you know when I was when I was a high schooler, I actually used to sell artwork at anime conventions. So it'd yeah. be nice to kind of dust off that toolkit again. Hello, paint tool sign, my old friend. Um, and um, you know, draw some character art. But for sure, I have like lore and characters, and that's you know another thing that I'm really excited to share because I know lots of people on the internet love lore, and so I'm like yes, give me the serotonin, to like my <laughs> stuff.
0: okay so question is delegation how do you handle delegation
2: um
0: because it sounds like you don't handle it very well
1: i i don't at all (laughs) um i'm in reality i'm a one-man band like i have a, a shop goblin but he is very busy with a high stress long hours job of his own so uh my shop goblin is um He's mostly just a printer wrangler and expert vapor smoother, and <laughs> I handle everything else. Um, like Kenton, I wear many, many hats, except uh, I'm not quite as good at balancing them all on my head as he is. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. Uh, Bunny Rabbit over on YouTube asks, Are there colors that you consider canon to the toy designs that you make, or do you prefer not to assign any colors to them?
1: You know, I actually kind of like to leave it up to my imagination and just kind of make whatever I'm feeling in the moment. So, I guess I don't really have any like canon colors. And that's kind of the advantage of not doing made to orders and really just only doing drops is that I can just kind of make one-offs of whatever the heck I feel like and um just, you know, you you get, you guys get what I feel like making, um which Fortunately for you, is a wider variety of stuff than just pastels. Actually, Um, it's it's funny. I actually find darker colors more fun to pour than pastels, just because there's more contrast there. But
0: yeah, that's I like collecting pastels, uh, right? And that's that's my aesthetic is that darker color. You know, going into the the dark purples and the greens and the reds and um, uh, the thing is that. I would love to do pastels, but I just can't figure out. I, my brain just doesn't pastel. It just doesn't do that. (laughs) So, uh, bunny rabbit says, love your designs on Twitter, by the way?
1: Oh, thank you, bunny rabbit. You're so (laughs) sweet. I love all of you. And do I ever sleep rarely?
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, George, have I missed any questions? Is there anything I need to get back to? very last one in my list and I tell you what George figure out a way to get it to me because I can't find it in my list my list is so messed up at this point that I have no idea what I'm looking at (laughs) um But I will remind everybody that we uh, do this every Sunday at 7 o'clock Central Time. Uh, Next Sunday, we've got uh, Shop Dad coming on. Yeah, Shop Dad is going to be on July 17th. We've got Silk Arts on July 24th. Chillo Fantasy on July 31st. And then when we get into August, we're going to be getting into the Collectors. So we'll have folks who... um, Oh, geez, one of them, actually, one of them's in the chat. We've got Bat. Bat is going to be uh, one of our guests as a collector. Um, And these are folks that have hundreds of pieces. So, yeah. Ah, there's my question. Is your life today what you expected it to be when you started?
1: Man, um... I'm gonna go with no, but in a good way. You know, when I started, I definitely expected that, you know, I'd be doing drops by now. But, you know, the reality is I'm not. I'm still kind of in the behind the scenes making stuff. And I'm at least in like the, the almost there stage of of getting ready to drop. But, you know, in a way I'm kind of thankful that I took the time to work on things more slowly and not rush because I think overall it's going to get, You
2: know
0: a better
1: end result and a better product so yeah not
0: quite what i imagined but it's still fantastic good uh venus asking uh will you consider interviewing freelance designers sometime wink wink i have heard so many good things about venus that i'm going to have to get in touch and we're gonna have to figure out something and uh, i tell you what uh, send me a direct message on twitter um, and we'll figure out from there what we need to do. What'd you say, George? I was way ahead of you there. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's in my head tonight. <laughs> so, it's, it's all a right. High line. <laughs> well, uh, Kate, was there anything else that you wanted to mention before we get out of here?
1: Oh man. Um, well, first of all, I just really want to say thanks to everybody who listened. It means so much to have all of you in the audience and asking questions in the chat. Um, and you know shout out to all the lurkers out there i'm actually pretty shy on the internet um hence the emotional support boba um so you know shout out to the lurkers i love you too and um yeah that's basically it i had a i had a design i was going to preview but i noticed we're almost running out of time so i can oh, save that for twitter got, oh you, okay yeah go for it i do i i have the, the master um oh so this one is called Venator, and um, it is actually a combo like moth, dildo, and mini pen. And this one is slightly too large, um, which is why I haven't post-processed it. I'll try holding it up to the camera so you can see more of the detail. My zoom background is being stupid. Yeah. But I really wanted to take kind of like a mishmash of the design language of everybody's favorite Predator alien and biomechanical tattoos, um, and kind of come up with, with something, you know, familiar but you know not a direct you know replica of um someone else's ip no sheen to anybody who is doing that um it's just not how i personally like to work um so yeah everybody likes moths everybody likes aliens with big chompers and i really wanted to get into making something like a mini pen and so i figured why not make a dong with a mini pin on the end. So this is probably not going to be in my first drop, but in my second, um, just because it's going to require a little bit more fine-tuning and R&D, especially with the mold. I'm define... dreading making the mold for this.
0: Gotcha. And define mini pin.
1: So a mini penetrable is um, for like um, uh, like FTM individuals, people with clitorises. So it is not meant to fit an average size penis. It's meant to fit smaller things. And I'm a cis woman, I still enjoy them. Um, And, you know, I I know a lot of of FTM individuals really, really like them as well. And so this is kind of part of my mission to, to, you know, make things cater to as many people as possible. That, you know, I want to make stuff for everyone's stuff. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, there is so much love in the chat tonight. Um, I mean, Venus is over here. This is so awesome to hear from you. Best of luck to you for your business and whatever else you decide to pursue. And when you pulled out that uh, that master, uh, there were oohs and ahs all around. <laughs> uh, I'm so glad
1: you guys like it. I was like, I, I don't have like a big like drop announcement or big reveal or anything, but I at least wanted to have like some little present for all of you guys for tuning in, so... So uh, that's your little sneaky
0: peek. <laughs> Yay! All right. Well, Kate, thank you so much for joining me, and uh, you, if you'll hang around for a few minutes here, we'll uh, we'll wrap things up. But um, I want to remind everybody, we do this every Sunday night at seven o'clock Central Time, and uh, we'll see you next week. And say goodbye, yes. everybody.
2: Bye. Bye. Shop going live.
0: <laughs> All right. And with that, we are done. Uh, we've got uh, Shop Dad coming in next week, and uh, we'll see you then. Thanks, everybody. Bye.